0: If you want to turn in your device to Acts chapter 2 and John chapter 9, I'll start in Acts 2, and in John 9. We're in a series, My Best Friend the Holy Spirit, the first series, if you missed it, go back and pick it up and listen to it, watch it. The first message we talked about, who is he, the Holy Spirit? Last week when we talked about, does he baptize? And so I, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I know that some of you may, may be thinking, yeah, but I've... I've heard something else about him. And so here, I want to answer some questions. So here's the first question. Is he Pentecostal? <laughs> well, let's talk about the word Pentecostal. There's a cultural definition, and I'm not sure that's biblical at all. There's a historical definition of the word Pentecostal, and there's even a denomination definition of the word Pentecostal. Now, if by Pentecostal you think it means that he doesn't want women to wear makeup and jewelry And put their hair in a bun, bondage, and and that's your definition of Pentecostal. Then no, he is not Pentecostal. Uh, That's legalism, and and even churches that do not believe in the Holy Spirit uh, are bound by legalism as well. So that's 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 something else. But if by Pentecostal you mean, do you believe in the work and the person of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in Acts two, the fulfillment of the feast of Passover? that as, as a biblical experience, do we believe the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for us today? Do we believe that we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live a Christian life? Then yes, he is Pentecostal. And some of you needed to know that because you already know John was a Baptist and now you're just wondering if the Holy Spirit is Pentecostal. And <laughs> that, that joke didn't work in the last service either. So anyway, <laughs> we believe... Let me, let me illustrate it this way. We believe in water baptism, but we're not part of the Baptist denomination. And we believe in the spirit baptism, but we're not part of a Pentecostal denomination. But what is Pentecost? Here's my next question. Well, what's Pentecost? Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, notice the phrase, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and a, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pentecost is one of the three major feasts in the nation of Israel. There were seven feasts in all. The seven were combined in the three. So there's three in Passover, one in Pentecost, and three in the Tabernacles. So three times a year they all came to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts on the first month of the year, the third month, and the seventh month. At Passover, here's what they're celebrating. They're celebrating how when they were in Egypt that the spirit of death passed over them because they put the blood of the Lamb over their doorpost and they were saved by the blood of the Lamb. So at Passover, that's what they're celebrating. At Pentecost, the feast, they're celebrating the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Now, if you look at the word Pentecost, you look at it, you look at the word Penta, it's a pentagram, it's five-sided. The last part of the word Kosti in the Greek means the 10th power. So the word Pentecosti in the Greek literally means 50th. What that means is 50 days after Passover, the Holy Spirit, in, 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 in Exodus, it was a cloud by day and a fire by night. Uh, the Holy Spirit came down on Mount Sinai, and, and God gave the law... Pentecost is the celebration of the giving of the law. And that's why it says the day of Pentecost had fully come. It was the 50th day from the Sabbath after Passover. Here's the second. Here's another question. What happened at Pentecost? Well, Acts 2 verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Notice every nation. It lists 15, but it says every nation. And when this sound occurred, the sound of the upper room, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? So there are men from every nation. Then it refers to Galileans, which means they're, they're uneducated. So they can't speak two languages. So this is a miracle. In verse 11, after it lists the 15, the last two, it says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speak. They're saying, hey, we're hearing people speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They're hearing the praises of God. So here's what happened. The Holy Spirit comes down. They're gathered together, and these people from all of these different languages have come to one place, and they could understand the Word of God through one language. But the Scripture says they came confused, well where did that come from if you go back to genesis 11 you remember the story of the tower of babel remember they gathered together in rebellion and pride but on the day of pentecost they've gathered together in the upper room in humility and submission so at babel god confused their language and couldn't they couldn't understand each other and so they're scattered to the nations on the day of pentecost they came back from those languages Confused, and the Holy Spirit came, and now they can understand God's language and they're not confused in what God is saying. That is a picture of heaven. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all will be speaking one language in heaven, and that language will be praising and giving thanks to God. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. So let me sum it up and say it this way. Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. The original Pentecost is in Exodus chapter 19. The cloud, which represents the Holy Spirit, descended. There were loud noises and fire, and then the law is given, and the Scripture says that 3,000 people died in one day, and the law was written on tablets of stone. If you go to the book of Acts and you look at chapter 2, what we read is is the fulfillment of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended, there's sounds loud, there's fire of tongues, 3,000 people get saved, and God wrote his law on the tablets of flesh. So watch, Pentecost is the empowerment to walk righteously on the earth. Jesus came to make us righteous, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously. And, and And see they, they broke the law before Moses ever got off the mountain. Why they had no power. The Holy Spirit empowers us not to keep the law and be perfect, but to be righteous in an unrighteous generation. What happened at Pentecost was the fulfillment of the giving of god 's law on our hearts, not on stone. Now today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you, when you became born again, here's what happened. You've heard me say it, but I want to say it over and over again. The Holy Spirit, when you confess Jesus as Lord, He baptized you into the body of Christ. You're born again. And then you've heard me say, now Jesus wants to baptize you into the Holy Spirit. If Jesus baptizes you into the Holy Spirit, you have access to all of His gifts. Well, how many of them are there? Well, there are 27 there are nine operation gifts, there are nine ministration gifts, and there are nine grace gifts. The ones we want to look at are the grace gifts, the charismata gifts, the charisma gifts. After you become a believer, Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit using the gifts. Here's the picture I want you to see. Now God has created a vehicle. You are that vehicle. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. You're the vehicle for him to come into the world. Why is he going to come into the world? To seek the lost and save the lost. You are the very gate of the living God. We're the only gate he has to get into the earth. So when we think, well, the Holy Spirit's out there somewhere, the Holy Spirit's this cloud, and no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is within us. So all of these gifts represents God appearing on the scene, and it's an expression of God through people. So the gifts we're going to look at, it's an expression of God through people. So let's look at those. Paul gives us a list of those. So I want to break it down. First Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12.1, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. The word gifts in that verse is not in the original language. So it reads, now concerning spirituals. The Greek word is pneumoniches. Is and it means an expression of the spirit in spiritual people. So here's what he said. He said, "Now concerning the expression of the spirit in spiritual people. well, how in the world does that happen? Well remember what we've learned. we are a spirit, we possess a soul, we live in a body. Verse four, Paul says, "There are diversities of gift, but the same spirit. And so th- this, is, this word gift is in the original language, and that is the grace gift. That's the charisma gift, but the same spirit. Verse 5, but there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So there's different ministrations uh, uh, and serving and, 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 and distributions of serving. Verse 6, and there, are th- and there are all diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all that word is operation. So he's going to distribute where whatever we need to energize us through his gifts to serve people, to help people to get him on the face of the earth. Verse 7, but the manifestation that word is energy. So the energies of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So all the gifts of God, they they they're going to he God's going to energize all of them. He makes them work. I can't make them work. If I try to make them work, then here's what the here's what I'm doing. I'm doing a good work Work, a good work doesn't save people there are a lot of organizations who do good things but doing good doesn't necessarily save people spiritually so he said all in all you, you can work, he can work in you the Holy Spirit he, you become a gift of God to help people and build up people so when jesus baptizes you in the holy spirit we can open our lives up and and to him and we receive everything he has and when he comes and gives gifts then he calls us into a place of service then we function in that place of service and god through his gifts energizes manifests himself in us for others to see i think these spirituals are necessary for today i really do I think it's necessary that He dwells in us and that we're carrying out His purpose on the earth as the church, but I I think that we, we we are to have access to the gifts, and we need to serve and do ministry, but we need God to energize by the power of God. I love to hear stories where people are doing something, and God's working something on the backside, and you can't see it until it's all over. What is that? That's God's Spirit working and energizing and taking things that you're doing, and He's doing spiritual things that we can't do we each have access to the gifts and so we each need to serve and do ministry and god energizes with power now here's what some say some say this is optional they say things like you can be the church without the gifts and a lot of churches say well they're all right in certain places for certain people and then some say, well, certain people need those things, but, but we have the completed scriptural canon now, so we don't need spiritual gifts anymore. In other words, we have intelligence, so we don't need that. I agree, you can live without the gifts. You can go to heaven. And, I, and, and yes, you can live without your eyes and your ears and, and speech and feet, but what can you accomplish? Spiritually, you're limited, You're limited without the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can walk without eyes, but you can't see without eyes. Yes, you 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 can be holy without spiritual gifts, but you cannot minister mightily in God without the Holy Spirit. The church today needs spiritual gifts. We need to remember some have had abuse and some have had neglect from even knowing that it exists. Regardless of which side of this you've been on, they exist, they're in the Bible, they're real, and they're for today. And I want you to know about them, and you make your decision on what you want to do. So Paul now is going to show us the nine gifts that we're going to look at, okay? So 1 Corinthians twelve 8, I'll count them out for you. For one is given the word of wisdom, that's the first one, through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, two, through the same Spirit, to another faith, three, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, Four, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Five. To another, prophecy. Six. To another, discerning of spirits. Seven. To another, different kinds of tongues. Eight. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Nine. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now, the Holy Spirit owns the gifts. We don't own the gifts, they're His gifts. And He gives these to each believer as the believer has need or as the Holy Spirit wills. So I think any believer who is who believes in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, that they can have a word of knowledge. I believe any believer can have a gift of faith operate in them or, 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 or a miracle for healing, any believer. And that's what he's meaning, the Holy Spirit is saying, to each one individually, for what? For the profit of all of us to reach people. So they belong to him. Now, we're going to look at all nine grace gifts. The grace gifts are divided into three categories. It's the the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, the dynamic gifts. This weekend, I'm going to talk about the discerning gifts. There are three, okay? We're going to look at them. The Word of Knowledge, Word of Wisdom, Discerning of Spirits. In each category, there is a dominant gift. So the dominant gift is the word of knowledge, which means the other two are going to pull from that. If you don't have that dominant one, the other two are not going to function well. So the word of knowledge. So let's look at the first one, word of knowledge. You can have a word of knowledge. Everyone listening to me, if you are a believer and, you, and you've received the Holy Spirit, you can have a word of knowledge. Let me give you the definition. It's to know something specific without learning it by natural means you didn't get it by natural you got it by spiritual and the key is it's very specific a word of knowledge is when you know something specific you don't know it by the natural all of a sudden you just know something in your heart and and this is a learning process this takes time it takes maturity spending time with the holy spirit spending time with god because when you start having a feeling and as you start to worship and get to know god you you, you know you you don't want to make something up You don't want to just make something up because it it, it won't be God. And and if you do make something up, it's coming out of your natural knowledge and, 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 and it's not going to come to pass and then you're going to say, oh, I must have missed God. No, you missed your own thoughts. You are a spirit, but your spirit is not the spirit of God and your spirit must learn to hear the spirit of God so you can say, that's God. I've learned that spirit, that's God and he's saying that and I'm going to say what the Holy Spirit says. I'm not going to make something up. I'm just not going to say some feeling that I have and just say, oh, that was God. No, 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 you'll miss it. I'll give you an example. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says, go call your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, you said, right, you have, you've had five, and the one you're with right now you're just living with. Jesus was fully God on this earth, but he was fully man. Jesus the man had never met this woman before. The Holy Spirit revealed to him the husband's situation. What was that? That is a word of knowledge a very specific word of knowledge so you can move in words of knowledge but you have to get to know him you have to be intimate you have to learn to hear so it's not just some warm fuzzy feeling and you're just going to say something no you'll miss it you have to learn it is a learning process it's a maturity process it's growing uh number two is discerning of spirits discerning of spirits it means to be made aware of evil spirit To be made aware of a demonic spirit. The Greek word means judging through. In other words, you're judging through the spirit, through the natural, to see into the supernatural, to an evil spirit. It said in verse 10, to another discerning of spirits. It doesn't say discernment. So listen, there is no gift of discernment in the Bible. There is the gift of discerning of spirits. You are saying, well, pastor, we don't need discernment. No, the Bible says you should desire discernment but you you, you have to say, listen, we we need our senses to be trained. This is good. This is bad. You know, you need to discern. But many people say, well, I have the gift of discernment. And and in other words, here's what they're saying. I've had people say it. I have the gift of discernment. I I know stuff. I just know things. Most people who tell me I know things, I have the gift of discernment, they have the gift of criticism because they look at other people and they judge them. And now oh, I know what's wrong with her. I know what's in her heart. I know what they think. I know what they're doing. I know I had someone one time tell me something that, uh, about my dad. And, and it was this same spirit. And I, and I just I just shut it down and rebuked it and said, no, no, I'm not. That, that's a judgmental spirit. So there are very critical people. And, and, and listen, God can reveal things to us But you don't have the gift of discernment. There is a gift of discerning of spirits. You have to be made aware of spirits. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There are spirits. I'll give you an example. Paul's going into a city, he and his team. And there is a young lady who's demonized. She's a fortune teller. She's a witch. And here's what she's saying. She's walking through the town with them, telling the people, because they all know she's a witch. She's saying, oh, listen to him. What he's telling you is true. You know, Jesus is another God. You need to add to your gods. Well, God doesn't need the the, the endorsement of the devil. So the Holy Spirit gives Paul the discerning of spirits. And Paul has all he can take. And he turns and he casts the spirit out of her. So how would you like that? How would you like for the Holy Spirit to say to you, Oh, this is the Spirit that's attacking your marriage. This is the Spirit that's attacking your finances. This is the Spirit that's attacking your teenager or your children. See, here's what you need to understand. When something happens over and over and over in your life, you can ask the Holy Spirit, is this an attack or did I open a door? Because He wants to tell you. He wants to give you the discernment of the Spirit that's behind this so you can identify it and deal with it. Here's the third one, word of wisdom. A word of wisdom builds on a word of knowledge, okay? Remember, word of knowledge is the dominant word. Word of wisdom tells you what to do with a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom, here's what it means. A divine answer or a solution to a particular situation. It's when you don't know what to do. You're at a crossroads. You've hit a wall. But the Holy Spirit knows. He knows everything. So in essence, this is God's Word showing up, and it's God's perspective, and God's wisdom comes on the scene and shows you what to do, and all of a sudden, you get something from God that you realize, this is the answer. This is what I should do. It's not something you read. It's not something somebody else said. It's God puts this in your spirit. So I, I want to now, I want to I wind this up and close it up with this story, okay? This story is in John 9. I want you to see this. I want, I want you to capture this. I'll tell you Why? There's a guy minding his own business. This guy happens to be a blind man. He gets healed, and he gets into all kind of problems. John 9, 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples ask him, saying, Rabbi, whose sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they walk by a blind man, and they're more concerned about the theology than they are the man. So, so think about—let me put this in my perspective here. Think about this for City Hope Church— We lead people to become fully alive in the true hope of Christ. So I am more concerned about helping you live life to the fullest in Christ than I am about knowing what's the next bad thing that's going to happen. And it really does bother me that the church in general in America is always arguing over all these small incidental things instead of focusing on the main thing that's winning people to Christ. See, if if you're not winning people to Christ, you're not doing the main thing. And listen, if you're not doing the main thing, you're not going to grow. Because when you're doing the main thing, that's finding people, leading them to Christ, seeing people saved, healed, delivered, and set free, and discipled, and and turning around and developing their life to the fullest. When you're doing that, God's going to funnel people to you. Why? Because that's what He wants. He wants people to be healthy and grow. Are are, are y'all breathing? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Okay, so the disciples, they could have said, hey, Lord, look, here's a blind man, and I heard this guy's been blind since birth. He's never even seen his parents. He's never seen the, the trees, the river. I mean, but they're more concerned about theology than people. Listen to me, that's wrong. We've got all these camps, and everybody's flickering over this theology and that. No, no, the main thing is people. Watch what Jesus said in verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So God's got a plan in this guy. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So watch verse 6. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. That's an incredible story, right? Right? Work with me just a little bit. Give me some air. Yeah, yeah, but it should it, 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 that was a setup, sorry. It should have been over right there. That should have been the end of the story, but it's not. So let me show you what happened. It says Jesus spat. In South Alabama I think the the Greek word for spat is ptui. Uh, (laughs) So thank Jesus, he, and then he puts his finger in it and rubs it all around on the ground. Then he takes it and smears it in the guy's face. He says, go wash. He goes and washes. And he's healed. Should have been the end of the story. But watch what happens from this story. Look at all the talking and the theology. Look at the word said in the next verse, verse 8. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen him, seeing that he was blind, said, is this not the one who sat in bed? Some said, this is he. Others said, he's like him. I'm not sure if that's him. He said, I am him. They're arguing in little circles. I don't think it's him. Yeah, it's him. No, I'm not sure it's him. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he is. Verse 10, therefore they said to him, to the blind man, how were your eyes open? He answered, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and washed. I received my sight. Guys, that's it. I mean, there's, there's no trickery in this. That, that's what happened. That's the simple version of, of what happened. Verse 12, they said to him, Where is he? I, I don't know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Uh oh, he's in trouble. You're going to the Pharisees. You should have stayed blind. It would have been better for you just to stay blind. Now you're going to face the devil, I mean, the Pharisees. Verse 14. Now it was on. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I wash, and I see. Notice his response is getting shorter and shorter. He's getting tired of telling the story. So he figures out he's in trouble, but he didn't do anything, and just a guy minding his own business. He didn't ask to be healed, but he's healed. Watch what happened, verse 16. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, this man is not of God, Jesus. Jesus is not a God because he does not keep the Sabbath. <laughs> others said, you, you laugh, but there are people just like that today. Uh, others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. You know what the root Greek word is in division? And this text is to divide. The word denomination means Division they divided they started a denomination they divided and i'm not putting down denominations i have a point to make isn't it sad that we have thousands and thousands and thousands one after another in the body of christ it's sad in other words you you got some that spit and some that don't spit spit and spitters you know yeah, we believe in healing. No, we don't believe in healing. The, the reason the enemy has put theological systems that explain the way of the Holy Spirit is the enemy doesn't want you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we have, we have right here in South Alabama, right here in our communities, we have evangelical denominations that deny the work of the Holy Spirit and the personhood of the Holy Spirit, and they relegate his work to the first century, and he doesn't work anymore. Right now, he's just a force or a power that we feel. We have denominations that I call cult denominations. If I called their names, you'd know their names. We have denominations that are cults. That means they do not believe in Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven, okay? They deny his existence, uh, the Holy Spirit, and take the personhood away from him and call him a thing or a power. Well, but listen, he, he's, he's, he's not just a power that you use, he's a person that you know. He's a divine person, and you don't use him, he uses you. And that's the difference. That's the difference in all of this right side, left side. That's why the question marks need to go away, because it's not something that you use. He wants to use you. Why? Because you are that vehicle on the earth that he's going to manifest himself through to reach people on the earth. So let's go back to the story. They call the guy's parents, grown man. Hey, how is it that your son can see now? And they said, well, he's a man. You go ask him yourself. Verse 24, so they again called the man. He was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I don't know about your theology. I, I, I just know I was blind, and now I see. I don't know about your theology against the Holy Spirit. I don't know about your theology to abuse the Holy Spirit, but I do know this. I asked for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then they ask him again, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he's saying, I, I've already told you, oh, you want to hear it again because you're, you're going to become one of his disciples too? And then they get mad at him. And they go off on him. And, 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 and he says, you don't even know where he's from. You don't know where he's from. What a wonderful thing. He's healed me, and you don't know where he's from. Have You ever heard anybody say healing is of the devil? And if you've been healed, here's a good response. Well, that's a marvelous thing that happened to me, and you don't know where it's from. You ever heard anybody say that praying in, 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 a, in a prayer language is from the devil? Well, that's a marvelous thing that's happened to me, and you don't know where it's from. See, the Word never says these gifts are from the devil, so don't say that. Never, never attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. And, and I want to show you something, okay? I want to take a little sidebar here. I want you to listen to this because I really believe I need to take three or four minutes and expand on this just a little bit because i believe a lot of people have question marks after the last service i had two or three people come up and say okay th- th- you taught this but did i do this did i do this and it's about blaspheming the holy spirit because we we say things we do things and we think oh, oh that's close I so let, let me explain it because jesus deals with it here's the answer matthew twelve thirty-one. jesus said every sin and blaspheming against the spirit will not be forgiven men So, this is blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. It's really hard to do. Some people make fun of the Holy Spirit. That's not blaspheming. Some people make fun of people who are in the Holy Spirit. That's not blaspheming. So, here's Jesus with a guy in Matthew 12, and this guy can't see or speak, and it's caused by a demon power. Jesus rebuked the demon, and and they leave this guy, and suddenly he's able to speak and to see. Now, th- this is not just a matter of somebody that feels better after Jesus prayed for them and, oh, I think my headache's gone. No, this was a miracle you could see before your eyes. This was a notable, undeniable miracle, not something subject to interpretation. And, and a lot of things people do in the name of the Holy Spirit are not undeniable miracles. They're, they're not. You know, I, I have to be careful where, where I am because I, I know we look at things sometimes and we think, well, th- this, this is a miracle, and, and, you know, I've, I've had people come for prayer, and, and in that prayer time, they end up, you know, they're, they're on the floor before the Lord, and they'll, I've had people say, I can't get up. The Holy Spirit has me pinned down. That's not an undeniable miracle. I'm not being mean. It's not undeniable. And if you were pinned to the ceiling, that may be something we could talk about, but that's not. <laughs> I, I know that, those, that there are those who pray for people, uh, pastors especially, who, who push people. Try to push them down, and we've even got so good we have people that catch them so they won't fall down. When I grew up, if you fell down, there wasn't no catcher there. We knew if it was a spirit or not. You just hit the floor wide open, just the way it was. (laughs) But see, to be pushed down to fall— that's not an undeniable miracle. There's no record of anybody falling when Jesus prayed for them in the Gospels. There are places in the Bible where people fail, but it had a purpose. So just falling because somebody's praying for you, you, you don't have to do that. That's not an undeniable miracle. It's a charismatic tradition. And, and, and I say this, listen to me, I say this respectfully. I've seen this, I've been in this all my life. But there was a time in our church uh, years and years and years ago before we made some major transitions that when I would have a time of prayer at the end of a service and people would line up, I knew the people before I came off the prayer. I knew the people I prayed for. If I, and I'm not, pusher, I'm not a pusher, but I knew the ones I prayed. I, I could tell you everyone is going to fall down. And I finally, I said to God, God, this is not right. This is not right. This is not you. This is not you. So I stopped doing that. I, I, I changed it. It's just like, I, I'm not going to do that. So here, let me get back on track here. So what we do is we do things and we call, Holy, we call out the Holy Spirit and blame it on him. And we run people off and confuse people. But this miracle, every miracle Jesus did was undeniable. It was a real miracle. He had people who hated him. If they could find something to accuse him over, if they could find a loophole, something he was pulling, they couldn't. So here's what these leaders did. They were forced into saying, oh, that's of the devil then. That's of the devil. Watch, it was an undeniable miracle, and they said it's of the devil. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, whoa, wait, 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 guys. (laughs) You just went into a new category now. You just did something that got you in big trouble. You saw an undeniable miracle, and you called it the devil. That's blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's hard. It's really hard for that. I've never seen anybody do that. I've never, I've never met anyone who's blasphemed. But I had a lot of people ask me, oh, I think I blasphemed." Like, no, 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 no. It's, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. It's to see an undeniable miracle and call it the devil. And you think about a person who doesn't even know God, and they see a miracle, or they hear of a miracle in the community. Someone was sick, and God heals them. Or they see a child healed or something. You, you know, they're, they're not running around. Uh, you know, it's like, wow, that's good. That's great. They don't even know God, but that's great. So it's a real hard thing for somebody to say, oh yeah, that's from the devil, that healing, that, that good miracle. That's from the devil. It's very, very hard. Blaspheming in the Holy Spirit doesn't happen very much. And by the way, if you've made jokes about God, if you've used words, if you've joked about the Holy Spirit, that's not blaspheming. Now, let me go back to the story, okay? Y'all good with that? Okay. Watch what happens to the blind man. The blind man's going to get a word of wisdom, but that's, let me show you the unique part about it. John nine thirty one. Now we know, this is a blind man, that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it's been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who is born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That's a word of wisdom. He, he said, you know, born in sin, and, and you know, I, I didn't even go to seminary. This guy can't answer the question, so why why are they saying this? This guy's not even a Christian yet. This guy's not even saved yet. If you remember last week in Mark 8, we studied how Jesus opened a blind man's spiritual eyes first and then the natural, men like trees. Now in John 9, it's the other way around. He's opening opening the, 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 the spiritual eyes last and the natural first. And guess what happens to the blind man? He gets kicked out of church. He gets excommunicated from temple. Jesus heard about it, and he goes and he finds the guy. He goes and he seeks them out. And I can tell you, I know a lot of people who have been asked to leave and moved out of churches because you believe in healing, or you believe in the Holy Spirit, or you believe in the gifts. And once somebody finds that out, you got a little red flag on top of you, and they just escort you around, push you out. You say, today in the 21st century? Yes, today in the 21st century. But let me tell you something. If that's happened to you, Jesus is out looking for you. okay he's going to come find you if you got kicked out of the world system because he's going to come and minister to you jesus went he found him and said hey do you believe in the son of god and the blind man said who is he that i might believe jesus said he's the one talking with you right now and the blind man said lord i believe spiritual eyes are open natural eyes open first he kept telling the story. I don't, I don't know how, how he did it. He, he spit, made mud, put it on my eyes. I, I don't know. Now the spiritual eyes are open. When a word of wisdom comes, it is a divine answer and a solution. This guy's spiritual eyes are open to realize from a word of wisdom, I need to follow this man. And then you see, when people persecute you, when people call you names, when people say things about you because you believe in the Holy Spirit, you believe in the gifts, then He will have the right answer for you at the right time. And my desire as your pastor is I want us aware of the gifts of the Spirit because we need them. Let me just do this, okay? I want you to look around when I ask this question because I want you to respond. And, and, and don't just respond because everybody's responding or whatever. Could, do you need words of knowledge from god okay could you use the discerning of spirits sometimes could you use words of wisdom you don't know what to do yeah my question is are you going to ask for them are you afraid of the holy spirit are you intimidated by the holy spirit Will you tell the Holy Spirit, I need you and your gifts? Do you have a situation right now? You could use the divine answer, a divine solution right now. I guarantee you there's people listening to me that do. Do you know that you're under under an attack right now, but you don't know the specific spirit that is attacking you? And they are, and they're listed in the Scriptures. There are specific spirits, and God will will show you. Do you need a word of knowledge when praying for someone? You know, I've been praying for this loving for ever and ever. I don't know how to pray for them anymore. Do, do you need a word of knowledge to know how to pray for them? Yes, we do. So I'm asking you to ask and receive the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We have talked about the person, and now we, today we've started talking about the works of the Holy Spirit. We want that relationship. We want that friendship. But now we need to know how he works. Why? Because his gifts— that are his he can work them in us and through us to help us and to equip us and to encourage us but also to be a light to others and to minister to others so that we know how to pray we're on top of things we're led by the holy spirit This is what I used to show children. This bottle of water represents you. When you came to Jesus and accepted Him as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus. And that's what you're full of right there. But Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? A bigger vessel? A 55 gallon drum? No, that looks like if I took the lid off this bottle of water and I put it in a swimming pool. He's still in you, but now look what's around you in your life. The fullness of the Spirit of God helping and directing every aspect of your life. I would say the Holy Spirit's a pretty good gift, wouldn't you? Lord, thank you so much for this gift. Thank you so much for giving this to us. And help us, Lord, to clear the air of misunderstandings, erase the question marks of doubt, and let us not be persuaded or pushed or manipulated, but let us out of a pure heart from your word desire everything you have, Holy Spirit.